comic books, video games, television, and movies. In a world where the media has been dominated by superheroes and sci-fi, these barely Irish assholes must band together to make sense of it all. It's not news. It's utterly nonsense. Nonsense. If you're new, welcome. If you like what you hear, go to utterlynonsense.com, check out all the links, follow us, and subscribe. If you're returning, welcome back. Hope you stay for a while. Now let's get into it. So what are we talking about today? Well, we've been watching a lot of shows recently, to say the least, and there's because there's been a lot of things coming out, and there's been a lot of things that I've gone back and watched. Among them, yes, I have seen... Star Trek Picard, I've seen the Halo series, but I kind of planned to talk about those, like, just make something where I'm just rambling to myself about it and record it. But here's the thing. I also had said if I had nothing good to say, then I just wouldn't say anything because there's already enough negativity. But yeah, I don't know. The caveat with Star Trek Picard is I thought it started out okay, but then kind of fell back into the problems I had with the first season as it went on. But it was better than the first season. I'll give it that, though that's not saying much. But anyway, uh, then there's Orville, which when that releases all its episodes, uh, I'm sure we'll do something for that. And I also do want to talk about that other new Trek series, Strange New Worlds, even though you haven't seen it. But I think there are some comparisons to be made with the whole situations behind how they, at least the new Trek series got started. But today, what we are here for is... Superman and Lois and Lana, mostly and Lana, because <laughs> that was finished like a little bit over a week ago. And we have the Obi-Wan series, Star Wars. Remember Star Wars? That's a thing that exists. Yes, Star Wars exists. I almost forgot for a second, but then Disney Plus reminded me with what's now, what, the fourth series? Third? Well, let's see, they had Mandalorian, and then there was Boba, Boba Fett. Fett, which came and went, and it was just... Bad Batch, whatever. which well, everyone we... slept on. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't really keep up with the animated series, but we did talk yeah, about Boba Fett, and when we talked about it, like, our episode came out, like, the day before the last episode of that, but there, was, there really wasn't much else to say on it. It kind of ended, and uh, it, that it was... It was Mandalorian like... Season 2.5, and I think we covered that pretty uh, in-depth in our last review. Um, Obi-Wan was not Mandalorian season 2.5 or season 3 or season 3.5. It was sort of its own thing, which is a little bit refreshing. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say it's a, its own thing because it's very much connected to the Skywalker saga. It's very much, you know, interspliced between the prequels and the, uh, uh, you know, main trilogy. Yeah, it's, it's trying to bridge the gap. But, you know, we've got some thoughts. Uh you know, McGregor is Obi-Wan. He's good. Yes, and obviously, as we go through these things, we'll be talking about all the story elements. So, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear anything, uh, stop. Or go on. Who really cares? <laughs> it's... I, I will say, for both of the series we're talking about today, I, I don't know if anyone's really going to be pissed off about spoilers, but there's going to be spoilers throughout this episode. Yeah. Maybe for the maybe for Obi Wan, but Superman and Lois. I mean, who's even watching the CW at this point? They just got sold for nothing. Did I, you see that? <laughs> so they I, got sold for, yeah, I mean, for they, nothing. As they in, sold what? Is Sinclair Media Group or something? Um, no, Next Star. I think it's called. I, I think it's like the same parent company or something. But it, it's another one of these giant <laughs> conglomerates that owns like so many of these independent yeah. uh, stations. It's basically the same thing as Sinclair. So they got bought, not for a price exactly, but with the understanding that the new owners would take on the debt 
that the CW has accrued. Yeah, so... <laughs> which is like a few hundred million, it's... not that much, when you consider yeah. the recent huge media purchases that have been going on in both, like, film, television, and video games. So, shit deal for CW, since, you know, they're basically breaking even. Whoever the executives were that were selling it off were basically just trying to, uh, you know, break even. Get rid of the debt. Um, Nexstar, Sinclair, these major media companies that are actually buying out these individual stations and these individual, uh, you know, smaller companies like the CW, you know, they basically thrive off of getting a bigger brand. It doesn't really matter what company they're buying out, just that they're buying them out. Their whole model is expansion. I did read that, uh, Warner Media, uh, no, uh, Warner, no, uh, Warner Discovery, whatever they're called now, and... Paramount, Viacom, whatever they're called now, still own some stake in the CW, but they're not the major owners anymore. So they'll still... It was, it was either that and or they're still agreeing to produce content for that channel. But, uh, yeah, I don't see really much of a future for more DC shows on that channel. Like, what do they got coming? DC, what was it? DC University? Or Justice University? What is that? Just Young Justice, but see... Oh my god! Did you see that? What was it? The Gotham Knights trailer. Fucking was, horrible. Yeah, what was <laughs> the point of that? It's like, I, I understand that they own these properties, but do they really need to, like, just chill out every piece of content imaginable? Like, I, I'm just imagining these guys up at, like, 3am throwing shit at a cork board, seeing what sticks. Oh, hey, let's throw these DC characters, let's put them in diapers, let's make them babies, let's put them in a nursery. That's, that, that's the show, okay, guys? How can we appeal to a younger audience? You know what I legitimately thought that trailer was at first? Because Mike posted it, and I think it was a Twitter link? Yeah, it was. It was a Twitter link, so it was, it was in, like, like the some, worst you quality. You thought it was, like, a fan-made shit or some, like, it was YouTube. In the, uh, yeah, it, it was in the worst yeah. quality in, like, a square-shaped video, and... So back in the day, like before I really had an understanding of how movies work and everything, I used to look up trailers for different things like live action Mario or like live action this and that. And I used to look for trailers for movies that didn't exist. Like there was a like fan made Gambit trailer that I, I can remember fondly. So to me, this is what that looked like. It looked like somebody made edits to other movies or TV and like did a, a super edit of of some of those and tried to make it look like it was somehow DC related but no it's actually real and I, yeah it's I will say low I've quality. seen decent fan edits I've seen decent fan productions I've seen de decent fan films oh yeah uh you know we know a couple guys from Bloomsburg that went on into that direction and made fan films that have actually gotten a decent number of views Probably better than uh, Gotham Knights or whatever this <laughs> shit is that the CW is putting on. It's like just, you know, beyond the production value, just looking like shit, the concept being terrible. It's yeah, I mean, they're they have no faith in these projects They they're just chilling out as much as they can with the uh, intellectual property as possible. And it's like, who's watching this? Like, I, I know there's a fan base for this, but who the fuck is watching this? You know, it makes me wonder, because they're calling it Gotham Knights, and it's about Bruce Wayne and Batman is gone, and so the young the, the young sidekicks, or whoever they are, have to, you know, take over the responsibility. And then we also have the Gotham Knights game coming out, in which Batman is gone, and the sidekicks have to take over the responsibility. So, like, are they trying to piggyback off that? Mm. Well, that, that, I mean, that's sort of what I gathered uh just with the uh, actual title of the uh show um i mean with the gotham knights game it doesn't necessarily excite me but it is from rocksteady it is like a it's spiritual not successor it's not rocksteady it rocksteady's the suicide squad game wait who's making gotham this knights is... then because i thought that was supposed to be a rocksteady game too the ones that made arkham origins are making gotham knights uh, fuck okay that's <laughs> not gonna be good then <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've already seen complaints about it looking kind of cheap. Uh, that's I don't awesome. know. It remains to be seen how it will really turn out, because it's still not out yet. But you know, another Warner Brothers-related game, Multiverses, which we'll talk about with Paris pretty soon, probably. If we don't stream that directly to Twitch, we'll at least talk about our experience playing the alpha, but... Um... 
I will say I'm optimistic about that, just based on what we played so far. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's mindless, but it's, you know, it's Smash Bros. with uh, Warner Brothers characters. And I just heard about this leak. Now, you heard it here first. Now, as you know, it's going to be primarily Warner Media, whatever the company's calling itself now, owned characters, right? But it could be anyone, in theory. Because otherwise, I think, uh, and I, I don't know if I said it here, but I said, we said it at some point, that they made a statement, if it was only going to be Warner Brothers, it would have been called Warner Brawlers. So it's not, it's not just that. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, owned by Warner Media, or whatever you call it, HBO, right? What was a popular show on HBO? The Sopranos. So I have it on good authority, Tony Sopranos gonna be in the game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> did you like that build up? Tony Soprano, I could take or leave, but Polly Walnuts needs to be a playable character. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, anyway, what were we going to talk about? <laughs> with multiverses being like this grand Warner Brothers own property, like it's not that absurd to suggest a character from The Sopranos could appear. Because and that's yeah, awesome. Like <laughs> they have Game of Thrones, and it's like, what? Why? Okay, whatever. I. I would lose my shit if Larry David was a playable character. And oh my I, god. I, yeah, I mean, with you as my witness, I posted that in the chat like two months ago. Larry David from Multiverses, Larry David from Multiverses. Totally see it. Would be such a baller move. I'm daring Warner Brothers now. If any executives from Warner Brothers somehow hear this podcast, put Larry David in Multiverses. Make it happen. The fans will love it. It's meme. It, it's it will trend on Twitter. <laughs> it's, uh, what else can we say? Yeah. For the me Do it for the memes. Do it for the memes. You know, they might be listening, because I'm sure by now we're on Warner Brothers shit list for just complaining about <laughs> them so much. Anyway, so what do we want to talk about first? Superman or Star Wars? Up to you. All right. Well, I guess on the topics of, uh, Warner Brothers related things. So Superman and Lois. Season two. Was it as good as the first season? In no. short, no. <laughs> Not even close. What happened? Um, so, look, you know, it fell into typical CW traps. Is it as outwardly bad as, say, the current season of The Flash? No. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, for as good as the first season was, as for as refreshing as the first season was, as for, as much of a departure from the typical CW formula as the first season was, it's not the first season. Yeah. And I think it could be broken down into a few main points. The villain, not as good. Uh, they pumped in a lot more seemingly forced, like, interpersonal family drama, especially, especially, with Lana, not just Lana, and the thing that was going on with her and her husband, but the, I gotta be mayor, woo! Wow, who cares? Jesus. I think I already complained about this when we talked about it before, but... Yeah. Yeah, it didn't get any more interesting as far as that goes. And then, uh, I gotta split up with Sarah, and oh no, uh, I'm lying to my parents because I'm covering for my girlfriend who won't be mentioned in the second half of the season at all, except when she appears at the end, and just to remind you that she existed... Oh, God, just, like, every single character dynamic had to be strained in order to, like, stretch out what should have been a plot of maybe a few episodes at most, because this villain wasn't compelling at all. Like, I liked uh, Morgan Edge, or Talro. He was interesting. He's like, I'm your brother, Clark, but I have this, you know, he's kind of like Zod, and I made that parallel when we talked about season one. Not so original, but still pretty decent as far as a Superman villain arc goes. And you had the lowest component to it, because she uh, indirectly worked for him since he owned the Daily Planet. But here, it's all about Lois's sister, and oh, she's been drawn in by a cult. The evil cult leader, get ready, here you go, big villain name, Allie Allison! Allie Allison? Otherwise known as Parasite the B-Story. Allie, or wait. Parasite the... The leader yeah. of a cult who drew in... Young women, hmm, Allie, Allison, Al Allie, Allison, Mac, Superman, oh, Smallville, God. Colt, is something going on here? Am, am I the only one who noticed that? I might be. Maybe I'm thinking I, too hard. I can't imagine that was deliberate, but 
yeah, I mean, I do remember uh, the whole Allison Mack news broke when we were talking about some, I it might have been like in the early days of the podcast when we were still like doing the video recordings and talking about like mm. other CW series and I, yeah, that that I remember being shocking at the time, but it's like now just, you know, everyone sort of slept on it. It sort of has been, uh, you know, pushed under the rug. Um, yeah, well, it's been talked about. It's been done. She's in prison, I think. And like, that's that. Yeah. But there was a documentary, uh, I don't know if it's a movie or something that came out on like Netflix or whatever, but there was a whole film, like documentary film dedicated to that entire cult and what mm. went on. I you know who actually got like got off scot free? As I don't think she had that much involvement was uh Kristen Crook, Lana Lang. Oh, she was involved with the whole cult or a little bit. I I think I was on uh the uh, the podcast with Michael Rosenbaum, they talked about it a, a little bit, and she was like, they tried to get her in it, but she didn't really go for it, and I think that was like the end of her involvement. Mm. Yeah, well, so I guess good on her for not <laughs> falling victim to it. Right. Unlike, now we'll go back to the series. Lois's Lana sister, Lana. Her, yeah. who you should Lana never Lana's. ever turn your back on or trust ever again, General Lane, idiot. <laughs> Like, how many different times did they, oh, she's back now, we got her, and then she just betrays them outright? No, I just, after, like, the third time, you you should probably just give up on her as a daughter, right? I mean, she's the disgrace, plain and simple. Yeah. Like, she's just stupid. And what really was the motivation? Was that, I guess that was the whole theme of the villain angle, was aloneness. Because she did, what, what was it? So, their dad wasn't well, home. I mean... And it's like, Lois was doing whatever, yeah. and then the mom had left. So I guess she felt alone and wanted a family, so she joins this cult. And then at the very end, what does Allie Allison say? Oh, I was just afraid of being alone. That's why I needed everyone to convert into whatever. Alicentism or whatever. Um, no, I mean, like, join their other halves. Like, she wanted to right. go this, undergo this whole process and have everyone else do it so she wouldn't be alone. It's yeah, like, but what I'm saying eh. is there's not really a name for the cold, so is it Ali Alstonism, or is, is there some formal name we should be calling whatever the Church of Ali Alston is? Um, Nazium. No, wait, that sounds wrong. I meant to, I meant it to sound like not Nexium, but it ended up sounding like something else. Dualism? I've Multiversism? Uh, bizarrism. Bizarrism, but not bizarrism. So how how does this season start, right? It starts It, it like, starts with us thinking, uh, oh hey, they're gonna do Death of Superman because you've got this character that looks vaguely like uh, you know, uh Doomsday in the full suit, right? Yeah, so he starts having these flashes, he's like, Oh no, what's going on? And then they like track it down. He's like, I think I think it's inside the mines. It's something in there, and then they show something like punching its way out and it's in a containment suit, and I'm thinking Oh, that's just like Doomsday. Doomsday was in a containment suit. That's interesting. He's in the mines, and the ex-Kryptonite is around him. Maybe he landed on Earth a while ago, because right. he could have come from Krypton, and yada yada. It, it kind of made it's, sense in my mind. It's enough to pique your interest, too, right? Like, if that's the first episode, you wonder where it goes from there. It's a good hook. Yeah, and there was an article written that said they, they were teasing that, and I think we might have talked about that early on. But yeah, then they go to episode whatever it was where they reveal it. And it's, it's like two or three where he takes the suit off. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Doomsday. It's Bizarro, but it's not it's really not Bizarro. Bizarro. It's meth head Superman. <laughs> hey, you got, you got some more of that, uh, that green stuff, bro. Ah, good stuff. Yeah. Hey, we both spent plenty of time in PA. We know what a meth head looks like. That's meth head Superman. <laughs> yeah. I honestly don't even understand the whole bizarro concept it's like everyone isn't opposite exactly they're just not exactly opposite though just an alternate version of themselves so it's basically the you know another part of the uh multiverse but it's not part of the multiverse it's a parallel earth from our existing earth but it's not quite a parallel earth from our existing earth it's the mirror earth from our earth you know if you think about all of that it sort of makes sense except you uh, gotta realize uh, uh, you gotta realize everyone's not an exact opposite of their self but they're sort of opposite of themselves okay 
Okay, I think I know how that's, to. That's what you gotta. That's what you gotta realize. Okay. I think I know how to put it into a metaphor here, and maybe this is what they were going for. So, so we can't call it a mirror Earth because if you think about Star Trek, right? There's the mirror verse in which everyone who's good is is now like evil or whatever. And mostly Spock's beard. Somewhat. And Spock's beard. <laughs> but in this, it's not everyone who's good is evil. It's supposed to be everyone in the other world has something that everybody, their counterparts, lack. So it's like they're two puzzle pieces that fit together but never intersect, or something like that. So here she comes, not Doomsday, not Bizarro, arguably not even really Parasite, and she's like, I'm gonna take these two puzzle pieces and force them to fit together! Kind of like when you have a jigsaw and you just want, that pieces just gotta fit. He sort of sounds like, you know, three-year-old me trying to get, you know, these two pieces of this 24-piece puzzle to fit together and wondering why exactly they're not fitting together. So just jamming them together, making them make an image, and solving the puzzle that way. And whatever the final result is, that's the puzzle, man. <sighs> it doesn't matter what So if all of this sounds like complete nonsense, it's because, well, mostly it is. It is. Like, her motivation and... How she's even able to do any of this isn't really explained. Like, what are the pendants? Are those just MacGuffins? Yes, they are, because they're never explained what they are, what they do. She just needs them until she doesn't need them anymore. Oh, okay. All right, then. They're just like, I don't know. And then there was the whole thing where they were building up. That's right. So the season first started with um the new guy because General Lane retires and now Superman has a new contact with the military. And that's Anderson. Oh, yeah, they just wrote him off like right away, basically. Yeah, didn't they? so, like, at first you think, okay, this is going to be like the Captain Luthor thing, where you have the fake villain to start with, but then he's, like, a good guy by the end. But he only makes it to, like, halfway through the season, and then he's gone. Forgotten. No one even talks about him. Well, I, I mean, they sort of make him a good guy towards the end, where he, you know, sort of betrays Ali Anelstan, helps out Superman briefly, dies immediately after becoming a good guy. <laughs> But yeah, they basically write him off. You know, you expect him to be a much bigger force than he actually is. Yeah. I was wondering if he had any kind of corresponding character in the comics, but I don't think I ever bothered to look it up because it didn't really matter anyway. He was just kind of there to get Superman to the Bizarro Earth and then that's it. To be honest, I didn't even expect Ellie Allison to be the big bad. I thought she was just going to be like another misdirect leading us to whatever the big bad was supposed to be. Yeah, I thought she was just going to be like, okay, this is Lois's arc and that's it. But then, yeah. I mean, she's not necessarily a bad character, but to, like, arc the entire season off of her, what were they thinking, you know? And, like, this is my problem. And so some people would argue that episodic television is, that's the past thinking. We don't do that anymore. No more resets when you go into a new episode. We want long stories, right? HBO series, long stories, high quality, but this isn't high quality. And the thing is like okay yes you can you can make a long story and have it be good as long as you plan ahead everything and i think maybe they did plan ahead but the thing is is that the villain isn't interesting the drama isn't interesting and a lot of it feels like filler and it's just not that good and to stretch it out for an entire season even when it's only 15 episodes and not 22 it's like it's it's fatiguing it's boring and it feels like a chore to watch. That's kind of why... Take the, the all the animated shows, right? The DC animated universe. You have maybe three parters at most. If a p- certain plot sucks, at least you know it's going to end very soon. Like it ends at the end of the episode or at the end of the two or three parter. And it's fine. And the three parters would even be saved for like the end of seasons. It's like, okay, you end the season with the bang. You have the big plot, big bad. Three episodes. More than enough for a superhero series. Because, let's be honest, superheroes, more often than not, the plot lines... Like, can you really take them that seriously? Whenever I can point out a situation where I say, oh, but he could have just done that, or, wow, he really got beaten by that. Remember when he goes to fight her and he just flies at her and she's like, nope, I basically absorb all your power and now you're dead. Uh Black Bolt can kill you with one whisper. Allie Allison can kill you with one whisper of her. Oh. In the meantime, he could have just zoop 
and just like slapped her. It, it seems like there's a million things he could have done besides charge directly at her and let her absorb his powers that would have stopped her in that very moment. That you wouldn't have needed the whole Captain Luther trying to, you know, come out and, or, you know, keep calling him Captain Luther, but, you know, you didn't need John Henry Irons to, like, get involved I gotta in this. I got save fight. you. Oh, now there's, my daughter's got to save you. Oh, it, goodness. It's, yeah, it, it seems like there's a million ways out of this situation. Like, even actual Parasite, like, there's so many weaknesses with his inherent abilities um, that, like, you know, they could easily exploit. You don't need to make an entire arc out of this one character. Yeah, and I'll relate to you th this very quickly, this story that uh, we were talking about a while back. I remember, now I don't know whether it was the 60s or the 70s, but it was an old Superman cartoon, probably before Parasite was a character, about... There's, like, this one guy who... I don't remember what happens. Chemicals fall on him or science experiment, whatever. But yeah. he gains the ability to absorb life force from people. So he starts going around and, like, touching people and absorbing them. Because he gets, like, a huge rush out of it. He gets a high. And so then when he finally sees Superman, he goes, Oh, think of all of the power I could absorb. Yes! So, of course, Superman tries to fight him, and he hits him at first, but then the guy starts absorbing it, and he's like, I need more, and then he can't get enough, but, of course, as we know, Superman has, like, near-infinite power, so he just takes more and more and more in until he can't handle it anymore, and he explodes, which is kind of how he ends up beating uh, Allison Mac. I mean, uh, Allie, <laughs> at the end here. Like, he goes to the sun, charges up, and then says, here, take more. And then, she, I don't know what happens. She just, like, freezes, and then he slaps her, and she splits, and that's the end. Yeah, basically. They they sort of gloss over, like, what actually happens to stop this whole thread and separate the Earths and everything. It's just, you know, one of these visual scenes that you're sort of expected to understand what happened and not ask any more questions. <laughs> um, and then, you know, for some reason, they're in the cells together, even though, like... If they merge, they basically fuck up the universe. So, literally, quote Superman to John Henry Irons and his daughter: "Keep them apart." Next scene, they're in. They're together. Oh my goodness! And then, so how does he split the Earth? Because the planets are merged at this point. You see, like a cube inside a sphere, and you're thinking, "All right, what is he gonna do?" So then he starts flying around the Earth, and I'm thinking. Oh no, they're not going to do that reverse time thing like they did at the end of Superman 1, are they? And I mean, so basically. He does that, but then so, so I guess he's building up speed. He's super luminal. He's solar charged. And then he just rams right into the earth, and I'm thinking, "What? That's like a meteorite hitting the earth. He's going to destroy the planet." But then no, everything is just separated and it's all fine. And then he lands on the ground and everybody's clapping. Don't ask questions, just clap and cheer. Oh, and Lana's a great mayor. Clap for her, too. Do you remember Lana? Yeah, she's a great mayor. And her husband's just such a dick. Hate him. He sucks. Even though he's trying his best to just, like, be there for his daughters. I mean, look, we could talk about the family drama on end for a while since it took up, like, basically 50% of the plot. But, uh, yeah, he is kind of a dick. <laughs> like, I mean, look, he is trying to make himself better and everything, but he also did you know, fuck around with another woman for years and just whatever. But it, he was drunk. Or he was, yeah, he that was makes, a drunk that makes right. at the time. Because everyone knows if you're drunk, that makes everything better, that absolves all actions, you know, you're totally in the clear. <laughs> I think it's something that should be, like, considered. Because they make it a point, at least the last, was it this season? I think it was. Jeez, I don't even, that's another thing we should mention. Like, all the episodes were released a month apart, practically. That well, that's the thing that bugged me most about this entire season. Right? Like, I I don't know if it was necessarily just because of COVID delays or just because of an inconsistent release schedule or just because of production problems. Whatever you want to blame it on, all of the above. The, literally, the fact that they just took a month to release every single episode, and, and uh, maybe that's an unfair characterization since they've released what like fifteen episodes since uh, what uh, September of last year. Um, uh, regardless. It's yeah. just a ridiculous amount of time between episodes. It's hard to stay engaged in a series when you don't know when the next episode's going to come out. Yeah, literally, it's 
it comes out and I go, oh, that came out. Guess I'll watch it. It's like, it's like a chore. It's I don't even want to watch it at this point. Exactly. But yeah, anyway, what I was going to say is he mentions that when he finds out about Sarah and when she attempted suicide, like he broke out of all that and never went back. So to me, I, th- I think, all right, when it really counted, he was there. Doesn't yeah, absolve but to- him, but it's a good point in his favor. Yeah, but if you're a really good father, you shouldn't need a threat of suicide to, like, be there for your daughter, right? Like, you should be there. Well, where was Lana? Like, before that happens, right? Where was Lana, though? I mean, I think that's sort of besides the point, right? Like, Lana was always, you know, sort of a presence in her children's lives. It's just... I, I'm just saying you need to be there as a support system, right? Like, you you can't have the excuse of um, just you know, doing something else or not being there for your family when there's clearly a cry for help. You know, you need to be there. Like... Well, the thing is, that's not even what Lana's mad about him or mad at him about, right? She's just mad about the infidelity. Because if it was the other thing, like I said, she's also partially to blame. But that's like, that's all said and done now. Like, they both know that they weren't there enough for her. And so that's why in the first season... Uh, at least Lana was being like more overprotective of her. They're both kind of overcompensating. Or maybe just, we'll just say compensating. But anyway, besides that, where have the other characters gone? So, where's John been? What was his character growth? He didn't get powers, at least not technically. He did get a daughter. Who? She was not in the first season, beyond like two seconds of three, last frame of the first season, so... Oh, no, no. I don't mean John Henry. I mean... Okay, I thought you were talking about John Henry. Oh, no, no, You're no. talking about John Ken. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I guess... Yeah, yeah, John Henry does have a bunch of stuff with his daughter, but I feel like they go in circles because she's like, I'm mad at you for doing the things that you do and putting yourself in danger. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it as much, but you know what? I'm still going to do it. And she's like, I'm still mad, but... Maybe I'll help you. No, I don't want you to help me because then I puts you in danger. And she's like, but dad, I have to help you because I don't want you to be in danger. And I know I don't want you to be in danger. No, I don't want you to be in danger. And it just goes in circles and circles and circles. It's like, oh, God, just just do whatever. If only they could get their hands on something from this universe that would give them enhanced abilities and make it impossible for them to get hurt. You know, like the mindful of ex-kryptonite that gives people powers and makes them invulnerable to any sort of danger. Well, they use that to power their suits. Yeah, so it's almost like they could derive that to, you know, save themselves, not make them vulnerable. Whatever, just a thought process. Like, if if you really want to keep yourselves out of danger, why not use the one substance that's ubiquitous in this town that would actually keep you out of danger? What do you mean, like, ingest it directly? Well, I, I mean, how many kids in the first season were essentially immune to any sort of physical harm because they were actively injecting themselves with XK? Yeah, but then it, it caused, like, addiction and all that, so it was no bueno. Yeah, so anyway, Jonathan, where did he really go? He had sort of the arc where he's trying to protect somebody, and then that was about it. All right. Where did Jordan go? All right, he had an arc where he also had to lie to protect somebody, and that was about it. Well, he was in the Fortress of Solitude briefly, he honed his powers briefly, he learned to fly. Yeah, but it's not nothing. Like, he has a small arc, even if it's... Like, it could be more pronounced since, like, they're trying to pass on the mantle to him and try to make him more part of this whole, you know, super family. Um, I don't know. Jordan, I think, had a more fulfilling, like, arc in... I I keep saying arc, but yeah, arc in the season than a, you know... Certainly, uh, John or like any of the other main characters. Um, yeah, well, I guess his payoff was when he protects them from uh, Bizarro Lana and Bizarro John, and they have that fight. That was a good scene, actually. That was like the yeah, one was. of the few action sequences where I was enjoying it at that point because it was back and forth. It wasn't just I fly into you and now you depower me and I'm gone. Or I get super powered and now I fly into you and now I depower you and you're gone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's that much else to say. Other than like, I w- was reading slightly about the production trouble and they just kept saying it's COVID delays and that they know that it's frustrating to people, but that for some reason they couldn't avoid it. I don't know. Were they not wearing masks? Were they just going out every weekend? What the hell was going on? I... 
I mean, look, with Hollywood productions during COVID, you have to imagine they're shutting down over the slightest, like, little thing, the slightest case, the slightest exposure. But I did just read a couple articles about Orville, and Seth MacFarlane was talking about uh, what was going on behind the scenes their production. So after the initial shutdown from the start of the pandemic, once they started filming again, he said they hired a company to like oversee all of these protocols because they specialize in pandemic protocols somehow. It sounds like something that was probably created in 2020 and it's just existed for the past two years. And it's Maybe. probably scamming like these production companies to, yeah. Well, th- then that's the part I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow through with. He said that because they hired this company to kind of manage all their protocols, they had not one infection on set. And all those scenes where you see a whole bunch of people sitting in the room, like the last episode, Tale of Two Topas, not a spoiler. When you see all the people sitting in the shuttle bay, they were really all there. There was no CG. There was no added after effects, like have one person and then like one person each sit at a time and film that. No, they were all there and nobody got infected, (laughs) at least according to Seth MacFarlane. And I don't see why he would lie about that specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's like the kind of thing that... (laughs) If he was lying about it, it would probably come out pretty quickly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, that's not to necessarily say that they uh, were the most secure production. I, I, I do think that like a lot of Hollywood productions, a lot of what was going on in L.A. at the time was super secure when it came into uh, COVID productions and COVID protocols. I, you know, I can't speak for any particular production. I'm obviously not involved with any of these productions, but... Uh, the fact that Superman and Lois was getting postponed every week or so makes you wonder how much they're shooting at once. Uh, like, w- what exactly they're doing that, you know, they they keep having these cases or they keep having these production delays. It, it can't just be COVID. Yeah, I don't know. Where, and where are they shooting? I know, I think most of the series shoot in, like, in Vancouver. Canada, right? Yeah. Where? Oh, Canada. I, I, yeah. I said Canada, yeah. But I know um, Black Lightning shot in Atlanta. That might have been like an isolated case, though, but pun not intended. Uh, I mean, look, you look at most of these productions, it's always Vancouver, uh, Atlanta, you know, <laughs> or, you know, some random studio in California. Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of where it's shooting, they're all sort of following the same protocols. They all have industry standards that they have to go by. Yeah, I mean, what else can we really say? It's like... Uh, these production delays were just ridiculous compared to every other show or movie that was shooting at the same time period. And it was even w- maybe worse, or at least as bad as the first season with how drawn out the episodes were. But here's the thing, at least with the first season, the episodes were good. Now, you know what? I think it was more drawn out, because like you said, didn't this season start last year? Uh, yeah, September or so. And I think Which you season one was all, in, yeah. was all within like six months. Yeah, no, it closed up a couple months before the uh, uh, current season began. But, you know, at the same time, you'd imagine they would have shot a lot of the stuff ahead of the actual season beginning to air, right? Like, you, it, it, it's it's not like something we would have shot in college where you're literally shooting the entire episode a week before it airs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I can't imagine the production delays were that terrible, right? Who knows, but for all those reasons, the massively drawn-out release schedule, villain not as good, too much drama, not enough supermanning, uh, yeah. I don't know if I'll watch the season three. So just as an addendum at the end here, because this is something we forgot to mention and I'm just putting this in the night before I post it, we didn't talk about that little line they slipped in in the very last episode. Uh, Grandpa Lane there says, On this Earth, we only have Superman. He's the only hero. But I've seen yeah. dozens of other worlds that have their own leagues. So yeah, this is not, in fact, the Arrowverse we finally know now. Even though we knew it was supposed to be originally. Because Diggle appears at the very end for... I guess what might be some plot thread that continues in season three with John Henry Irons, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so I will say I thought we did discuss this at least prior to recording. I'm I'm shocked he didn't make it into the uh, original podcast, but yeah, I mean, 
I, I sort of suspected from the beginning of season one that this wasn't part of the uh, Earth Prime that was introduced in, uh, you know, post-crisis. Yeah, I remember we were talking about that, and I kept arguing that it was. I mean, you were doubting <laughs> me. You you were doubting me, and I stand firm by, like, what I was saying a year and a half ago, you know? <laughs> like, um, just, especially with the two kids, it just doesn't make sense that, uh, you know, they could have aged them up that much, and you know, super, uh, both Clark and Lois remained about the same age as they would have been in, uh, you know, the Earth Prime continuity. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I go listen to our podcast from like a year and a half ago to when we were first uh, talking about the first season, right? Like, I, I think it was pretty spot on. I think it was the uh, the YouTube video or the podcast. I don't even know. I, I could have sworn we released it in podcast form too, but I mean, regardless, go check out our YouTube. Go check out our podcast from a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I mean, this pretty much confirms it, that it's separate from the main uh, uh, Arrowverse, which, again, for Superman and Lois to work in a vacuum, I think, you know, works out better for the series as a whole. Um, if you did have the rest of the uh, Arrowverse Justice League, if you want to call it that, involved, it would be sort of... Uh, I don't know if it would work for this solo series, considering that it's supposed to be self-contained. So I'm glad they went in that direction and yeah. sort of cemented it. And then, of course, there's the difference in casting between, like, the Morgan Edge actors and... Is Lucy Lane the same actress? Because I think she was in Supergirl, right? Was she? Yeah. She Didn't she have a thing where, like, she dated Jimmy Olsen and she appeared in, like, an episode that, at least one? It, I mean, I've seen everything up until the last season of Supergirl and I do not remember that but it's also been like so much forgettable CW bullshit so yeah. I was trying to come up with like ways in my mind to justify it still being in the Arrowverse like okay miss since this is at least from what I was thinking 14 years after crisis okay Barry vanished so he can't help Oliver's dead obviously and those are the kind of mental gymnastics you have to go through. <laughs> Supergirl's, uh, she's with the Legion. Uh, Martian Manhunter is, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. No mention of Kara Zor-El in the entire. Yep, not at all. Entirety of the series so far. Well, I still think it was supposed to be at least loosely connected, but because of lo purely logistical reasons, I think, they decided to separate it because they were supposed to have a crossover with Batwoman remember but then because of covid they couldn't do that and now they figure well all the other shows are gone anyway so what arrowverse never heard of it yeah, yeah i mean i i mean part of that might just be because they knew the cw was going to get bought out and they probably wouldn't be able to keep parts of the arrowverse going as much as they could a few years ago i mean look obviously batwoman's canceled uh, uh supergirl's just aired its last season I, I think the flash is the only other like notable uh arrowverse show from the last decade that's still on the air yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got Stargirl, but that's a separate Earth, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty barren compared to where it was even a couple seasons ago or a couple years ago, you know? Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I do think the self-contained thing is the way to go for at least Superman and Lois. But, uh, you know, if they want to keep this sort of CW-centric DC universe going, they, they, they really can't do the whole combined team thing for forever. Yeah, I mean, it had to end at some point. Exactly. Um, so, you know, uh, that's not to say they're going to do like a whole soft reboot or another whole team crossover thing, but uh, Supergirl and Lois, or sorry, Superman and Lois, it, its biggest strength is in its, you know, self-contained individual. I, I'm like repeating myself a little bit here, but I, I stand by that. The fact that it's, you know, got its own thing going on. It's not getting muddled up with the rest of the Arrowverse. It's not... <laughs> so dependent on what's going on in Flash's reality or whatever. It's oh, telling its own even, story. <laughs> who can even tell what's going on in the Flash's reality? Yeah. Second season might be a little bit of a mess, but uh, that's its strength. Hopefully season three will be better. Anything else you want to say before we close it off and, you know, splice this into the rest of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, just since I was listening back to the episode, uh, I have kind of reconsidered uh, my thoughts on the whole... Uh, I don't even want to bring it up again because it's so insignificant, but the whole, like, Lana relationship with their husband, I kind of agree with you more on it. There, he, he really had no excuse. <laughs> it was just a tool who, like, was acting entirely in his own self-interest, you know? Yeah, like, and then it took a serious event to snap him out of it. He could care about his family, and for all we know, he is, like, legitimately a good father who just had a misstep, right? But 
you know, the fact is he acted in a very selfish way just because he like sort of atone for that doesn't mean he's off the hook. That's all I was saying. And I, I, I stand by that. Yeah, it was just that last thing she said to him that kind of threw me off when she's like, I don't think anything will ever be the same between us. But that that's pretty understandable. Yeah, exactly. It's like a family shattering thing he did, you know? Yeah, it's hard to get past. Yeah, I, I think that covers it all. Are we done? Did we cover all the characters? I think we got it, buddy. All right. Disappointment. You want to talk about Obi-Wan? Is there much to say? <laughs> Not really, but let's talk about it anyway. Because, <laughs> I mean, we sort of, like, led into this episode saying it was going to be, like, an even split between the two. Okay, so it's been 17 years since Revenge of the Sith. Everybody is 17 years older. Jimmy Smith looks like he's 77 years older. <laughs> I mean, he looks more or less the same. He didn't really No, no he looks... Well, uh, to me, he looked way older. I don't know. He, he looked too old to be Leia's dad. I'll put it that way. And I Leia, I think given the time skip, it works. But yeah, go on. Leia, who's supposed to be 10, looks like she's four. She looks five, right? Yeah. Yeah, four or five. I, I will say, I really like the actress who played her. Like, I thought she actually did a really good job. I thought she was very believable as a young Leia, but... No, it's like uh, she's definitely not a 10-year-old, even though the actress is actually nine playing her. Um, yeah. I, I, I actually Googled it when I was watching it because they, they explicitly say in the series she's supposed to be 10. But the actress is literally, a, a, you know, a nine-year-old who looks like she's half her age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should mention when I meant 17 years after Revenge of the Sith, I meant in real life, not in canon. In right. canon, it's 10 years. Right. Or at least Which, it should uh, be since they're 10. So basically at the halfway point, literally smack dab in the middle between episode three and four, and that kind of summarizes what this was trying to do, right? Bridge the gap between three and four, at least in terms of the Obi-Wan-Vader dynamic. Now, here's one of the issues that I had with it arises. You had some of Obi-Wan, but you didn't have enough Vader. I felt like we should have gotten more from Vader's perspective to build up his side of everything that was going on and what he endured. I thought we were going to get a lot more flashbacks with Hayden Christensen, more than just the one. And some of Obi-Wan's time was taken up by, oh, we got to build up this original character who doesn't really add that much. We have You're to have about, uh, the, the third, third sister. sister or whatever. Yes. Yeah, she was completely unnecessary. Why? Um, Why? So Why do we even need the Inquisitors? Why? They're just video game villains. You know, I, I can under the Inquisitors could have actually been a, a, like a legitimate threat if they had built him up a little more. Um, I will say, first of all, Ewan McGregor, I love his Obi Wan. Um, part of me just wonders when he's going to age up rapidly 20 years and turn into <laughs> Alec Guinness. But, uh, you know, I have only one issue with his portrayal. Yeah. And maybe this is just my perception, but did it sound to you like he was like he had a cold the entire time? I, I mean, I think he was trying to. I wouldn't necessarily say it sounded like a cold. I think he was trying to age himself up a little bit, trying to sound a little more sickly, trying to sound a little more out of shape. Um, I, I think it was deliberate to some extent, right? Let me give an example. I won't use sound clips because I don't feel like editing that. <laughs> so young Obi-Wan, right, is, hello there. Then old Obi-Wan is, hello there. But this Obi-Wan is, hello there. It's a little nasally. Yeah. Like, it sounds like he's sick. You think he's trying to bridge the gap a little bit? Do you think he's trying to sound older than he actually is to try to, like, get closer to Al Guinness? I don't know. I just thought he was trying to sound like he had COVID. <laughs> Maybe he did have COVID. <laughs> was filmed during the past two years? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he was trying to sound a little bit like Al Guinness, but also like he was sick because he is mentally sick and detached from the Force. I don't know. Maybe. I did, oh, I did yeah. like that opening part, speaking of him detached from the Force, where it's basically just him, a day in the life, working like a McJob. Not to insult McJobs, but you know what I mean. He's just going through the motions, doing the thing, sticking to himself. Like, literally shows him, wake up, go to work, eat crap, go home, go to sleep, wake up. <laughs> you get the picture. Yeah, so... I will say, as far as the uh, whole Vader comparison goes, um, definitely expected to see more of Hayden Christensen, considering how much they marketed the fact that he was going to be in the series, he was going to be a big part, they were building him as a main character. Oh, you know they just trotted him out to go to all the conventions and hype everybody up? Yeah, and look, the cameos he's in, 
you know, I, I'm happy. It's like, you know, it's good prequel bait. If you're a fan of the prequels, it's a good reference to that. Uh, the actual, like, part in the uh, very end where you get, like, Vader's mask sliced off and you actually see his, like, withered face. That's great, right? <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, Did you realize that that was basically taken from Star Wars Rebels? Was it? So there was nearly an exact parallel scene where he's fighting Ahsoka and in their duel she ends up cutting his mask on the other side of his face and you see a little bit of it like just like the eye and the little bit part of his face and you hear Anakin's voice actor from the Clone Wars series for just a little bit and he basically says the same thing like she says Anakin I know you're still in there I haven't given up hope. I won't leave you this time. And then in Anakin voice, he says, then you will die. Which, doesn't he say that in this too? He, he yeah, says, more or uh, less. I don't think it's like word for word, but it's... He, he says something like, yeah. why I will destroy you or something like that. That's why you will lose or something. Oh, no, no. He um, says, "Um, you didn't kill At Anakin was not your failure. You didn't kill him. I did. The same way I will destroy you, or something like that. Which, you know, it, it begs the question, like, uh, you know, Obi-Wan basically acknowledges at that point that uh, Anakin's dead, Vader's taken over, um, you know, whatever, his friends far left behind, which, you know, tracks with what we see in the original trilogy. It tracks with uh, why he didn't actually tell Luke that, you know, Darth Vader's literally his father, just yeah. whatever. He's dead from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. As much of a plot hole as, as then they try to wreck on it. Um, you know, if he really does believe that Anakin's dead, why doesn't he fucking kill Vader there when he's weakened? Why does he leave him there again? Like the first time around, okay, I can reason it that, okay, he expected that he was going to die because he was literally on fire sliding into a lava pit. No, here he just cut off alive, just, you know, slightly wounded. You can't honestly say he thought he was going to die again, so he just left him there, too lazy to finish him off himself. No, like, either he believes Anakin's still in there and he can't kill his friend, or it's Puddle. Or it's just, we know there's canon that we can't ignore, so... Well, that's End of scene, bye. <laughs> that's given, but they need to write around that if they're going to do a fucking series like this. Uh, So, mainly I guess I'm going to have complaints, even though I didn't hate this series. I thought it was okay, because it ended off okay. But one thing that was bothering me was, first of all, you only have six episodes, Mm. so that's already pretty short. Now, I know this was originally supposed to be a movie, and maybe it should have been, because you have six episodes, and I'm thinking of it as like, oh, this is a series, they're going to be a decent length, like Mandalorian. But these are only like a half hour long, tops, Mm. last episode excluded, and like barely anything happens. It's like they go from one location to another slightly yeah, um, far off location that's it it could have very easily been condensed into a two hour long movie and not have missed anything like it and it would have worked pretty well as a movie right like it didn't need to be a six episode season it didn't need yeah, to be something that they built in that much suspense between episodes of right like you could have easily binged this in one sitting and it would have been the same experience as going to a movie and you know just watching it a two hour span um there was just so much unnecessary built-out details, so many, not necessarily unnecessary characters, but just, like, you know, uh, they just dragged it out more than they really needed to. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the reason why they felt, even though it's it's just really not necessary, like, you have a, uh, you have a series, fine, like, you have the time, maybe it's like you said, maybe they had a movie script and they tried to adapt it for episodes and it just didn't really translate well but it's like you have the whole third sister arc where you don't really get anything about her backstory until what was it like episode four or five they could have done that earlier and then i maybe i would have been more with it like when she's doing things it's like okay she was one of the younglings but he let her live and then she faces him again and he lets her live again for some reason everybody who gets stabbed in the chest except qui-gon gets to live right (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I will say um, it, it's sort of a twist, but it came out of nowhere when you realized who the third sister is, what her whole backstory is. 
if they had sort of given you some inkling of who she was going to be before that very reveal, she might have been a more enticing character. But no, she just it, it feels like it comes out of nowhere, right? Like she's just this uh, straight up villain murdering Jedi, murdering, you know, any innocent people she can find all for the purpose of getting closer to Vader and eventually killing him. Which, you know, the second she gets that opportunity, she fucking wastes it, too. Like, obviously, she's not going to kill Vader just by, like, parking up to him and stabbing him. Just charges him head on, yells. It's like, what? You didn't think that, like, more thoroughly. You've had 15 years or whatever it's been to plan for this moment, and that's your plan to kill Vader? uh, God. I kind of did expect her to end up being one of the younglings, because realistically, I'm thinking, okay, where do the Inquisitors come from? It would make sense for the Empire to keep some... there's not too many Force-sensitive people, right? Like No, but it there, would make sense for some, the Empire yeah. to keep some Force users alive. Like, they show them in all of the amber. I, I don't know. Who knows if that'll ever turn to anything? It won't. I, I heard it was Red Letter Media said, and it makes sense. That's like Disney's, like, uh, hidden, like, ace in the hole for whenever they want to bring out an old character. Just say, oh, they were just locked in amber. They weren't dead. Mace Windu's just locked in Amber. Here he comes. They're thawing him out. (laughs) But, yeah, so I kind of expected her to be a youngling, but one clue that I missed, which I don't don't really know how much of a clue you can say it was, but when she knew the identity of Anakin, I thought, what? No one's supposed to know that. So suddenly all the Inquisitors know that, but no, it was just her because she was there. (laughs) So it's like, ah, okay, but, like, still, you have... Obi-Wan, you could do some with that. You have Vader. And if you build Vader up more, like I was saying before, then the clash at the end would have been more satisfying. (sighs) But by far the biggest complaint, and if this was condensed into a movie and kept the plot relatively the same, trim the fat, trim the extra characters, I don't know. Maybe keep her in, but write it better so that you know who she is more early on. Just so she can help Obi-Wan in the end or something like that. All very sensible changes. My biggest problem, and they sh- maybe they should have gotten a different director, because I think she screwed up. The camera shake. Every action scene, the camera shake. Oh my god, I am gonna puke. I'm not kidding. It makes me sick. Like, why? Why have that? When has Star Wars ever had camera shake? And you know how much I've talked shit about Last Jedi? Last Jedi does this perfectly. When you have Luke facing Kylo Ren in that standoff, the camera's very steady. Why? Because let's remember, the original inspiration for the sword fighting scenes in Star Wars was samurai films. And in samurai films, you have very steady angles. That's good. Keep that aesthetic. It's good. It works. When you have a very kind of intimate face-off with lightsabers especially, you want to have steady angles. Right? And Star Wars has had a lot of panning shots through all the action scenes. But no, here, everything's got to shake around like it's some kind of amateur on-the-ground guy. I'm a reporter. I'm capturing the footage. This is a real event. It's really happening. No, just stop, please. Stop. It doesn't look good. Why are you doing that? Just, no. Did that bother you? You know, in retrospect, I'm I'm really watching this thing mostly for the plot. I'm trying to follow the action as much as possible without, like, really nitpicking it. I didn't, you know, it's not unnoticeable, but it didn't necessarily detract uh, from the final product as much as I think it did for you. It, yeah, I don't know, it really distracted me because it's, again, it's completely unnecessary and it looks amateurish and it's making the action harder to see. Like the first time Obi-Wan Vader face off and then the second time, sometimes I could barely tell what's going on because the goddamn camera's shaking all over the place. Like why? It, and then it's dark too. It's dark, you got a lower frame rate, because movies always have 24, and then it's shaking. So you're just reducing the amount of visual information that I'm taking in. Am I sounding like an old man? Just don't use camera shake, it would have been fine without it. Like, why do that? It's so pointless. And it looks bad. Yeah, but I did like the scene where he's throwing all the rocks. I got, like, Avatar The Last Airbender vibes. Like, when he enters the Avatar state and picks everything up, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I mean, the whole final conflict between Obi-Wan and Vader was, like, probably worth the price of admission, but it's like you didn't need six hours of footage leading into this thing for it to work. Again, I know the episodes weren't actually an hour long each, but you know what I'm saying. Um, Sixth episode was pretty good. 
six episodes was pretty good. It just could have had a shorter overture. I guess essentially it ended up being three and a half hours long, even though it should have been maybe two and a half at most as a film, if this is like the story structure they were working with. Like I said, it was okay because of the way it ended, but overall it's like, yeah, there was a number of issues and we won't even talk about like the chase scenes with Little Leia. That's probably already been ripped to shreds enough. Yes, it looks silly. Okay. Oh, and random Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, he was good, but yeah, character you don't really need. Didn't really play too much in the plot. But hey, like the actor, so cool, he's there. And then you had Lady Maybe Love Interest who just blows herself up. Yep. <laughs> all right. Yep. This is what I was going to say. So, Obi-Wan moving all the rocks creates a problem for the universe, right? Now, let's ignore all of the video games and all of the comics and all of the books. Because that's kind of what Disney did, but... So, Force Powers, right? Never really been anything that super interesting, super amazing. They move things around, they do little mind tricks, and that's about it. Okay. Well, you're So, I guess that's Google why search. they use the swords, because the Force, you can't really use that as an entire fight. Even in, like, uh, with Yoda and Palpatine, it's like, okay, they just end up throwing lightning back and forth or whatever, or objects. So, we use swords. Okay. Now Obi-Wan is throwing mountains at Vader. Now we have a problem. Because why don't they just do this always? And like, even if you're just... Okay, forget that. They still can only do what they did before. Why doesn't, like, Vader just crush people's heads right away? Now, that does pose a problem because he's literally choked people, like, through, like, multiple distances. I feel like Vader does definitely have the power to kill someone instantly using just, like, a thought. He pulled <laughs> an it. entire spaceship out of the sky. Yeah. That that does sort of a problem when you're, like, uh, assessing his power set in the uh, original trilogy. Or for that matter, whenever they turn their lightsabers on or just have guns, why doesn't he just yank them out of their hands? Yeah, sort of kind of got to forget about that if you're ever watching anything with Darth Vader in it. I know, like, formally, there's some kind of in-universe explanation, like, they, they cancel each other out because they have force auras or something. Maybe it's, like, Vader's passion is, like, what's driving his power, and because he hates Obi-Wan with, like, so much more passion than he hates any random rebel, it's, like, causing him to be more powerful, but... Uh, yeah, I know, that it, it doesn't really make too much sense, like, without, like, really having to over-explain it. Anyway, that's about all I have to say about Obi-Wan. Um, that's not necessarily a complaint for me. I, I, I like powerful force abilities. I want to see more of that. That was like the one thing I liked about Rise of Skywalker is he got to see, okay, step up the power, force powers a bit. Do more of that. Okay, they didn't have him. They didn't use him before. You know what? Forget about everything before. Just do something interesting. So, yeah, I, I guess that's why I look at the last episode more favorably. And if you have a good ending, the other mistakes don't really stand out as much. Except for the camera shake. That was shit. <laughs> Is there going to be a season two? No, I doubt it. It kind of seems like you... there might be no, because he sees Qui-Gon at the end and he's like, we have a lot of work to do. Hey, I mean, I think that was just a cameo. I think that was meant to just be like sort of open-ended. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I... Like, where, where can you really go from the season, honestly? like Darth Maul. It's, it's pretty much a closed loop. Remember the tease at the end of Solo? <laughs> there you go. Hmm. Although he died in Rebels, but uh, listen. He's, look, he's died ignore like three that. times in the actual <laughs> canon. So, ignore that. No, I mean, he, he literally met up with Obi-Wan, and they had like a one-second fight in Rebels. That was supposed to be his actual end. But you know what? Forget that. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back. Yep. Can I just yeah. say, have you ever heard the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Yes. You've told you've told me like 400 times now. Okay. If you have heard it, <laughs> that's been it. I'm the boss. Anyway, <laughs> with all that being said, uh, this has been the Hitler the Nonsense Podcast. If you've stuck around this long, thanks for listening. All of our links can be found at utterlynonsense.com. I'm sure John's put that somewhere in the description of this podcast, so go check that out. Just click on it, subscribe, like, follow all of our various pages. Um, anyway, with all that being said, the Aiden Music plays out.
I will do it, I must. Yeah.